Welcome to Bedhampton Church. Contact us at www.bedhampton.church. But for now, let's continue that journey with this input. Going on a long car journey when you're three is a very frustrating experience. You're trapped in an uncomfortable seat. You have no concept of how long it's going to take you to get to where you're going. And mum's just got really cross because the bag of chocolate buttons you were given to keep you happy, you've just dropped all over the floor. This was our experience last Friday, traveling down to here from Oxford. Whilst trying to rescue Lucas's chocolate buttons, I decided we would try a game of finding shapes in the clouds. This was quite successful. We found a dinosaur cloud and a train cloud and a cloud that looked like Max. <laughs> While we were staring up at the clouds trying to find funny shapes, I was reflecting on this sermon and Jesus' ascension into heaven. In our reading from Acts this morning, we heard that Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And then the disciples were gazing up towards heaven when two men dressed in white, who we assume were angels, appear around those disciples and ask, why are you gawping at the sky? You will come back the same way he went. If we take what the angels said literally, this implies to us that heaven, where Jesus now resides with the Father, is somewhere up, somewhere hidden in the clouds. But it's right there, in the middle of this paradox, that we get stuck. If Jesus is coming again the same way that he went, shouldn't we all be looking up? Shouldn't we be constantly scanning the skies for just the right cloud formation with a foot peeking through? Of course, we don't have the same triple-deckered picture of the world that the people did in the ancient time. Few of us actually, actually believe that hell is below and heaven is above. Our understanding of those concepts are somewhat subtler these days. But I do think it's possible that we of the 21st century have taken this story a little too literally. It's unlikely that Luke or any of the first century Christians thought that Jesus had suddenly become a spaceman who flew up into orbit and will be found one day floating in the middle of space. At that time, the people didn't know what space was. They hadn't discovered it yet. They believed that heaven and earth were two interlocking realms of God's reality. And so far, Jesus is the only human who exists between, in both realms, awaiting the time when everything will be joined together. So if this is the case, this suggests to us that heaven is with us all the time. After all, Jesus proclaimed, the kingdom of heaven is with you. We might say that heaven is present whenever there is peace or love or generosity, or whenever we feel the touch of God in our lives, or we pray. If heaven is another dimension which exists alongside us, 
We might think it, we're separated from it by a sort of force field or a veil. At times in our lives, that veil can feel as if it's drawn aside. And for a moment, we can step into heaven. Some people believe in thin places where this veil feels especially flimsy, perhaps the top of a mountain or a holy place. The kingdom of heaven is among you, especially when the kinds of behavior we would expect to find in heaven happen here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and all the rest. But if heaven is not up in the sky, out of our reach, then why did Jesus decide to make such a spectacle of his ascension by rising up into the clouds? Perhaps he thought that by merely stepping through a curtain into the heavenly dimension, the disciples might not grasp that this was an indication of Jesus' time on earth as over. After all, he had the habit of appearing in locked rooms or simply disappearing after breaking bread in Emmaus. Jesus' resurrected body seemed to have the power to step through the curtain that separates heaven from earth. The lifting up of Jesus showed the disciples that he was not heading into space, but into God's realm. When I think about Jesus rising into the sky, I'm often reminded of the Avenger, Thor, who, by swinging his mighty hammer, soars up to his planet Asgard, which is somewhere in the Milky Way, we think. But Jesus doesn't use a weapon for his ascension. He uses clouds. Clouds have been used as a symbol of God's presence many times throughout the Bible. When the Israelites were journeying through the desert, God led them with a pillar of cloud. When Moses stood before God on Mount Sinai, we read that a cloud covered the mountain. A pillar of cloud appeared in the tabernacle several times. And in the New Testament, we hear that God spoke through a cloud at the transfiguration. So when we read that Jesus was taken up on a cloud... We know that it wasn't into some kind of invisible kingdom in the sky, but a symbol that Jesus had gone to join God the Father in God's realm. It was a substantial gesture that made it clear to the disciples that this was the beginning of a new chapter of the Christian journey. So what is this new chapter? Why did Jesus have to ascend anyway? After his resurrection, could he not have just hung around? Imagine what the world would be like now if Jesus had been living alongside us, preaching, healing people, raising the dead for the last 2,000 years. Perhaps the world wouldn't be plagued with poverty or war. But that wasn't Jesus' mission. One theologian that I've been studying at college called Susan Derber suggests that Jesus was only meant to be on this earth for a short time. He spent his ministry seeking to open the eyes, minds and hearts 
of the people to the love of God. Jesus said, I am the way. But he resisted people who tried to make him the focus. He was the means by which people come to God, but he didn't want to be the central point. I think this helps explain why he made such a spectacle of ascending into heaven on a cloud. With Jesus around, the disciples were too bewildered. They needed Jesus to go so that they could find their way to God through Jesus, to faith and to new life. God didn't want the disciples standing around, gazing up at the heavens, looking for Jesus, but that they should find ways through Jesus, out of darkness and misery and sinful habits, into God's glorious new life, drawing others with them along Jesus' way. It's human nature to want a hero to admire. We only have to look at how popular the Marvel stories are to know that as humans, we yearn for a superhero to swoop in, defeat the bad guy, and save the world. But the problem with superheroes like Thor or Captain America is that they always seem to fight violence with more violence. And they don't seem to care all that much about the collateral damage. This is known as the myth of redemptive violence. The idea that violence can be redeemed or even defeated with more violence. But Jesus gives us an opposite, far more worthy version of a hero. He is the hero who defeats the bad guy, sin, not with violence, but with love and self-sacrifice. And then, rather than parading around, showing off his superpowers and waiting for the next disaster, he leaves. But he sends us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can become heroes ourselves. Human beings tend to believe that violence can be defeated with more violence. The person with the biggest stick wins. But God doesn't think like that. He redeems us through love and self-sacrifice. He doesn't buy the myth of redemptive violence. Luke's version of the Ascension in Acts tells of the disciples waiting for Jesus to do the next valiant thing. He's been resurrected, and now the disciples are anxious to hear when he's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. But Jesus tells them, it's your turn. With the power of the Holy Spirit, they must now be the ones to bear witness to the ends of the earth. Jesus is not the superhero who claims center stage, but leaves the stage clear for those to follow him. The meaning of his life and his story are so much more substantial when he's absent. Of course, we know that Jesus didn't just disappear and then cease to exist. He says, I will be with you always to the ends of the age. On his last night on earth, when he introduced the communion service, he told the disciples of his death to come. He explained 
that he wouldn't be present in the same way. He would be absent. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. By sharing his body, he's giving his disciples the means to become Jesus' presence in the world by embodying all that Jesus represents. We are now the body of Christ, united by his love and self-sacrifice. But this kind of presence only became possible by his absence. It's this topsy-turvy kingdom of heaven in which we serve a king who was born in a stable. We worship a God who taught us to give up everything so we can possess everything. In order to us to live, Jesus had to die. In order to be fully with us, Jesus had to go to heaven. Only by freeing himself from the limitations of his body could Jesus truly be everywhere for all of us by the Holy Spirit. Arguably, if Jesus had remained on earth, the only way that he could have talked to us was by us traveling to go and see him. But by his ascension, Jesus finds a new way of being present to us. It's not for us to stand around staring up at the clouds, waiting for Jesus, the superhero, who will swoop in and save the world. He already did that. It's our jobs as his followers to be Christ's presence in the world, to be lifted up and transformed into what God has called us to be. We've been assured that Jesus will return one day on a cloud as a symbol of God's presence and unite heaven and earth. Unfortunately, we don't have any more of an idea when that day will be than the first disciples did. But what we do know is that in many ways, Jesus has already come. Every time neighbour helps neighbour, Jesus comes. Every time a starving person is fed, Jesus comes. Every time someone chooses prayer rather than coping on their own, Jesus comes. Every time an individual chooses love over hate, Jesus comes. Every time someone chooses to give rather than take, Jesus comes. Although he is no longer with us physically, Jesus' spirit is with us more than we could ever imagine. Amen. You have been listening to Bedhampton Church. Our prayer is that this helps you journey with Jesus and serve your community by sharing God's love and friendship. Subscribe and join us for more discussion at www.bedhampton.church. All material creative commons copyright. Contact us for more details.